Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way. Providing a seamless mortgage experience. If you need it in real time, online, remember, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. It's a wonderful day. There's football today. There's complaining to do about college football. There's complaining to do about the NBA. We're 50 days away, Pierno. 50 days away from the Daytona 500. I know you're excited. Start your engines. I used to be a big NASCAR fan, not so much. You you are going to hate me that Saturday. I'm going to have, like, I swear to God, I'm going to have, like, three NASCAR guests on. It's going to be be wall-to-wall Daytona 500 coverage. My uncle still is big into it, but I used to uh, I used to watch it with him a lot, and he was a big Rusty Wallace fan. So I was a Rusty Wallace guy. He was my first driver. Oh, I hated Rusty Wallace as a kid. And then when Tony Stewart came, I believe Tony Stewart's rookie year was '99. Uh, yep. I became a Tony Stewart fan. The Home Depot number twenty, Joe Gibbs Racing. I was always a big Dale Earnhardt fan, and then of course we know what happened there. And then by proxy, I became a Dale Jr. fan. Now I'm just a fan. I like good stories. I guess, oh, hell, Tyler Reddick, I would probably say, is my number one if I'm if I'm picking. But I'm not I'm not really a picker. I don't know. They're all like 20. First race I ever went First race I ever went to, Dale Earnhardt Jr. won. I believe it was the first really? race after September 11th at Dover. That's right. He and, did win uh, that race. Because I remember him with the American oh, flag uh, taking around the track after he won. That was my first race. And my only race I ever went I to, Dover, say, Delaware. It was either Derek Cope had a good run that day. I swear to God, I remember Derek Cope in like the number 50. You remember that specific race, huh? Brother, I love NASCAR. You don't understand. I love NASCAR. I love it. I I have passions and I I don't talk I, I try not to talk about it that much. What a, a remarkable open we have here. Um I try not to talk about it that much cuz I know that people get all, "Oh, you talking about Hillbilly sport." Okay, fine, whatever. But I love NASCAR, brother. I'm a big NASCAR fan. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Who that? Wait, wait a minute. It might have been Joe. Ne- I gotta look at back at that. All right, eight five five two one two four CBS. But uh, we got ourselves a big one today. And yes, we got fifty days until the Daytona five hundred. And in all seriousness, that Saturday before the five hundred, I'm definitely gonna have some NASCAR people on because I love NASCAR and to hell with you. I I, I think that I think we 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 ha- we know there's a problem. 
and I said it right there at the very beginning. We got NFL games today we'll get to. We'll talk a little bit about the Saints. We'll beat that drum for a while. I need to know, and Pierno, real quick, and then I'll let you I'll let you do your own thing there for a second. Later on today, I filled in for Rome yesterday for the first two hours because I did the 10 to 2 during the Christmas day. I brought up why Jim Rome was right about the Browns being America's team, but why they were America's team. Should I do that again in today's show? Yeah. Because we got a packed one today. We'll have Kevin Boylard on. We'll talk football with him. We'll have Sam Amico on, 48minutes.com, outkick.com. We'll talk NBA with him. Chris Muller, my buddy, 93.7 The Fan, afternoon host in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about the problems with the Steelers. I want to know, should I? you're okay with me doing that, Pierno? I'm okay with it. Because you know where I'm from, and people kind of roll their eyes and go, really? But I think that there is something sociological with the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns over the last 20 years, and America. I think there is something that we can connect to as Americans that a lot of us don't even realize. And I want to share that later on in the show. So if you're given permission, which you are, I'm going to do it. But we got a lot of football to get to, and I know that there's a lot of bitching to do. And I really do mean that. And I think that you like to do it. I think you enjoy it. Because, guys, I saw last week, and again, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas if you didn't get to listen yesterday. And I love talking to you every Saturday, but I told you last week it was going to go down this way. I told you the week before it was going to go down that way. And anybody could have told you that it was going to go down that way. It wasn't just me. It was everybody. And I know that the system is broken. The system is broken. And I think you like it that way. I took calls on Saturday. I mentioned Ohio State. People got in full lines. I wouldn't say it's playing the hits or anything like that. I can, If you want me to extol the virtues about Cincinnati and, and Luke Fickle and how good of a program that has. And that, you know, Cincinnati's always been kind of an underlying pretty decent program. These years have been pretty spectacular, don't get me wrong. But that really is a rich town area. You got some players from that area that you can go out and get if they're not going to go to Louisville, that Kentuckiana area there, that if you got a really good recruiter before, like Mike, like D'Antonio could get down there, Mark D'Antonio could get down there, and then now that he's gone, Fickle's able to feast on those guys. And you can get guys in that area, that Dayton, Cincinnati area, some great athletes there. You can get those guys to stay home and go to Cincinnati. It's really a nice recruiting hotbed. And so it's not a real surprise that Cincinnati has done exceedingly well over the last couple of years. This well is pretty good, but Cincinnati's always been a pretty good sports program in general, certainly with basketball in the past, but this with football here. Cincinnati's usually been a really proud program, football, baseball, basketball, what have you, and a really good school. I can extol the virtues about the University of Cincinnati for the next four hours if you really want me to. I just know you really don't care. I know you don't care. I can give you what's fair, and I know that you won't care. Because I think there's a difference here, and the committee knows this, there's a difference between fair and fun. What's more fun? Complaining about Ohio State getting in, complaining about them getting in and and, and saying that they've only played six games and the Big Ten bed the rules for them. What's more fun, that or talking about Cincinnati? What's more fun? What's more fun for the general public? Because unless you're the biggest Cincinnati fan out there or you're the biggest A&M fan, and A&M has a very strong fan base, nothing against them, but it doesn't have the sizzle or the cachet in a year like this that Ohio State has. And it's even more fun to watch Jimbo Fisher get upset about it. 
Jimbo Fisher's making $10 million a year, and he's out there upset. And you know what? He has every right to be. It's more fun this way. And it's the only sport, and I know it's broken, because it's the only team sport, at least the only major team sport I can think of, that's subjective. That's open to interpretation. And I know that it's upsetting, and every year we do this at this time of year, but I think we enjoy the argument of it. Yeah, I brought it up yesterday for a little bit. It's it's the same way where you have your Christmas movies and whether or not you like to argue about Die Hard and whether or not that's a Christmas movie. I think people enjoy that fight. I think people really enjoy it. It's kind of fun. You do it in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. No one, unless you're, unless you're just that person, no one takes it too terribly seriously. Just like here in college football, no one takes it that seriously. The people who are involved, who've made it their lives, they take it seriously. But in this matter, you don't care. You don't care. If you cared that much, you'd stop watching it. If you cared that much, there would be real change throughout the country on college football. This is why I know you go to Twitter and you load me up with a bunch of tweets saying that I'm the a-hole over the situation, even though I'm not, because I'm admitting to you it's not fair. But I think you like to do that. I think you like to complain. I think you like that you have something that everybody can get together in and say that this isn't fair, and I can send my tweet and get my likes and, and get people to agree with me on the Internet where nobody agrees with anything. I think we like that. Because, frankly, folks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't in the in the overarching scheme of things. You had players at Texas A&M in this season, mind you. You had players at Texas A&M. You had players at Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. They got to have a season. They got to play games. They got to play the sport they loved. All right. They got to put something on tape in case they can play in the future in professional football. They got to do that. They got to go to school online for free, most of them. They got the chance to, again, live their dream the way they want to. This ultimately doesn't matter. The whole championship thing, the whole national championship perspective, if you're a big fan of one of these schools, then it matters to you. But in the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? It's a subjective sport. We argue and bicker over who deserves to be in, who doesn't deserve to be in. And no, Ohio State, if, if we're breaking it down to brass tacks of the other schools, no, Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in. They played six games. Their own conference moved the goalposts for them. But they're 6-0. and oh, They didn't even look good in their championship game that they played. Their defense doesn't look good. And it looks in a lot of ways that they very well could get their asses handed to them coming up next Friday night. And next Saturday morning, I'll take the calls, and people will say, Ken, I told you so. You didn't tell anybody. But that's what brings you to it, because you're more likely to watch Ohio State Clemson with Dabo Sweeney putting Ohio State 11th on his poll and Ryan Day saying what he said about Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson. You're more likely to watch that than you are about a nice, fair contest. I make a lot of comparisons to professional wrestling because there's a lot of things about professional wrestling that's it's just American. That's part of why I like it. The glitz, the glam, the, the, the machismo, the star power of what at least what it used to be, the spectacle of it. 
the thing that where a person would pay money to go to an arena to watch a certain person, that type of feeling to it. I'll make a comparison again later on to James Harden in the NBA about it. But at the at the bare bones of it, it's a good versus evil mentality. It's somebody who's a villain. We do this in pro wrestling. We do this in, in children's television. It's a good versus evil mentality. We are good. What we believe is inherently good. Our side is the right side. Our side is the righteous one, not theirs. Theirs is evil. Theirs stands to make our world a worse place. They stand in the way of my success and my happiness. That opponent must be destroyed. It's Star Wars. It's good versus evil. We've been taught this from the moment we're born. And when this game kicks off, when both of these games kick off, really, because you throw the Notre Dame mix into it, I really haven't spoken a lot about Notre Dame. There's plenty of people say Notre Dame doesn't belong to be in there, and you can make every argument why they wouldn't. But because Ohio State's only played six games, it just makes it that much more egregious. But you have a good versus evil mentality. Even in this one, though, I don't know if there's really a good Nick Saban is a jackal of all trades. Nick Saban brought, brought along gray shirting and then had to take them back a little bit. Nick Saban has been able to lie right to the media about taking jobs, but it doesn't matter because he wins a hell of a lot of games. He wins a bunch of national championships. And regardless of what I want to say, he does provide a hell of an opportunity for young men around the state of Alabama and around the country, and really around the country altogether. Same thing for Dabo. Same thing for Ryan Day. Hell, same thing for Brian Kelly. Same thing for a lot of these guys. Because if I really break all this down, this whole argument about the national championship and who should be qualified for the national championship and how to do it, it's all semantic. And that's what we do in sports, and that's fine. But it's all subjective. It's all semantic because it really doesn't matter. The players will be able to benefit from their likeness next year. Hopefully we'll get back. We, we, I knock on wood on that. Hopefully we'll get back to some semblance of normalcy, at least cl- as close to it as we can by this time next fall. Probably won't be out of the woods, but hopefully we'll be close. And we'll start to put together the pieces again to offer a real, true future to young men across the country playing college football. But we get so wrapped up in, I can't believe Mid-major school X doesn't have a chance to play for the national championship. We have said it over and over and over again because you could have changed it long ago, but you never did because you never truly care. Unless you are an alum of that school or grew up a fan of that school, one of the one of the 1% of the 1% of those schools, you don't care. I don't care. I don't care about UC. I can tell you lots of good things about them, but no, I don't care. Coastal Carolina, I've been through the town. It's a nice town. It seems like a nice school with nice people. Other than that, I don't care about Coastal Carolina. I've never been to Texas. I don't care about Texas A&M. I didn't go to Ohio State. I don't care about Ohio State. I care about Akron. My football team's terrible, and it's been terrible for quite some time. I don't care because there's still stories of a kid from Akron who got to go on a scholarship and play Akron and yeah, you know what? The team isn't that good, but that kid got a scholarship to go play at Akron, and he gets he gets himself a chance for higher education, free higher education, and make society better because of that scholarship that he accepted. We're still doing good. While we can't benefit off the likeness, and while guys like Jay Billis rant and rave and moan and complain, even though he covers college sports every single weekend, but either way, well, guys like that complain about it. There is still good being done. And so... If there's still good being done, and there is, 
then the only thing we have left to do is complain about what? The entertainment factor of it? How can you not be entertained by this? How can you not be entertained by Dabo Sweeney taking not-so-subtle jabs at Ohio State? How could you not be entertained by Brian Kelly and Notre Dame getting basically a free pass to go out there and just get hammered by Clemson, which means they'll probably just get hammered coming up on Friday afternoon? How could I not be entertained by Trevor Lawrence? How could I not be entertained by Alabama and Nick Saban and everything I just said about that? It's the most entertaining pairings that could possibly be. How could I say that any other system is more fun? I can't even give you a great argument for expanding it to eight teams. There will be upsets. I disagree with some of the people who say that there wouldn't be upsets. If I put an eight team, more than likely, you'll get the five power conference winners. You'll get three at-large bids. You'll probably get another school that's in there. And probably if that school is good enough, in that non-Power 5, that group of five conference, they might find themselves at seventh because we'll feel that they deserve it. That eighth spot might go to a second or third SEC school or Big Ten school or, or ACC school. That team will have a chance against Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, or whoever else is at number one. That team will have a shot. We'll rig it a little bit. We'll make it a little bit easier. That team will have a chance because all this is done as some big shell game just to get me to talk about it and you to listen to it. And, of course, you to watch. Because, frankly, as long as the children or, the, excuse me, the young men, they get opportunities, as long as the football program continues to pay the bills of the other program because they're going to run it like a business, as long as the football program can pay the school bills of the other programs to keep them afloat, hopefully that stays that way in a lot of colleges. I know that it's kind of taken on some water in certain places, but hopefully it'll stay that way. And it provides an opportunity for those who don't always get that opportunity and provides a free service or a partially free service, then honestly, what do I care? And what do you care? Because I'll still be entertained come next Friday. Whether I'm outraged or surprised or inspired or any other range of emotions, I will be entertained. And I'll be more entertained with these four teams than really any other mix. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Mr. Perfect, one of the guys that I I wish I would have paid more attention to as a kid. I wish I would have recognized his talent and ability more as a kid. That's all I'm going to say about that. Top five coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern. And I'm making a change. After we announce the top five subject at 11 a.m. Eastern, because we do the top five technically at 11.20, Jim Rome's right. And I'll tell you why he's right about the Browns being America's team. I'll do that at 11 a.m. Because I wanted to get this off my chest yesterday. I talked to Evan Silva when I was filling in yesterday about it. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the way the AFC looks right now in the NFL is kind of the way that the Western Conference has looked historically. Now, the Eastern Conference is certainly picking up business here over the last couple of years. But the AFC now is starting to look historically the way that the Western Conference has looked. I mean, you have seven teams right now that have double-digit wins, and by the end of this weekend, you could have eight. By the end of the season, there is still a possibility there could be nine of those teams that are in the AFC, I do believe, to have double-digit wins on the season, which if we really break it down, it's outrageous. I have a weekday co-host named Anthony Lyme, a very smart man, not always a nice person. His sister's even worse, to be honest with you, but he's usually nice to me. 
and I was talking to him on the phone about it because I just looking at the standings, go, man, there's so many good players on these teams. And honestly, look at all these young quarterbacks that they have: Tua, Allen, Lamar. You know, Mayfield's having himself a renaissance now. Watson is still dangerous as always once he gets himself a proper coach and some draft picks around him. They'll probably be in a better situation. I'm terrified he could become the AFC's Matt Stafford over time. Burrow, you hope is going to be back and 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 in good form, just for his talent. Herbert, Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to Jacksonville, so you throw him in the AFC. I still hold out some hope for Donald, even though he could end up in the NFC by the time this is all done. Derek Carr, he he should be able to play today. He's still a relatively young quarterback. There's still some talent there. You have some really good young QBs in the AFC. And Tannehill, the only reason I leave him out of there is because he's 32 years old. That's the only reason I leave him out of that mix. you got some really good 26 and younger, 27 and younger quarterbacks there. And when I was talking with Anthony about it, I thought he he knocked it out of the park. And it was something that I didn't necessarily realize because he had said he had done this four or five years ago where he looked it up and there was only about four teams that had double-digit wins in the AFC about four years ago. And the thought was, has there ever been this many teams that are okay with losing? The organizations. Because I will fight it kicking and screaming. I still think this is a game played by proud grown men who are in a physical contest every single Sunday. That's a national thing to see every single Sunday. It's not hidden like it is in the NBA every day. It's not hidden like it is in Major League Baseball with everyday regional broadcasts. This is a national thing that people get to watch all over the country every single week. And it's appointment viewing. And so for a team like the New York Jets where they went out and they beat the Rams, yeah, you know what? You got guys like Frank Gore who's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he's a very proud man. Frank Gore does not want to go out 0-16. They're proud people. And so I fought that for many times, but it, it still seems to be the way that this is going to pay off. The Dolphins, I thought Brian Flores wouldn't let them tank. Yet at one point last year, you had nobody that was left over from the 2018 defense on that team. You had Ryan Fitzpatrick, the oldest quarterback at that time, or one of the oldest quarterbacks at that time in the AFC. Obviously, Brady was still there. And they still were able to get five wins on a team that was destined to tank. And I, I looked at the Browns, and I'll bring them up again at 11. You know, I, I, I got fit to be tied with the Browns. You tanked this out for this? You lost on purpose for, for what? For Miles Garrett, who's great, but was suspended last year. And you lost on purpose for Baker Mayfield, who was embarrassing himself in the game at Mile High, where he shaved more than he had touchdown passes. Go, you tanking out for this? But now when you look at the AFC, and I just rattled off that list of names, these are guys that they can't all go to the playoffs. They're going to have their up years, their down years. And we could always ask, and I, I, I just don't have the time for it, well, which guys do I think are really going to rise to the top? Which guys are going to stay up there? Which guys are going to fall and maybe be in that second category, or maybe they just fall altogether. We could always bring up that conversation, but still, this looks like, I mean, Tua, Allen, Lamar, Mayfield, Watson, Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Lawrence, eventually. I can make the argument for Carr. I mean, that's that's nine guys right there off the top. That's a big list of young, talented quarterbacks that should be able to lead their teams. Again, they can't make them every year, but should be able to lead their teams to good records, against other opponents and against each other and fight it out against each other for some time to come. And if that's any blueprint, looking at this, I wish I could say it differently. I think that it's not going to change. 
the the quote unquote new angled thinking, new way of thinking in the NFL. I don't know if that's going to change because there's always going to be a guy that is going to fix a franchise. Trevor Lawrence, to a lot of people, is going to fix a franchise. It's going to make a franchise or a franchise that knows what it's doing by losing, and that's a very scary scenario to throw by because some teams do do it on purpose, and that's not just a Hail Mary by it, but he's going to be able to make that franchise even better. Because before, when it looked like the Jets were going to get Trevor Lawrence, I was willing to say, hey, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm having a serious conversation with the Jets going, you just took your your franchise saver three years ago, and he already looks like he's going to be on the chopping block this year. You think I really want to suffer the same fate? For a guy like Trevor Lawrence, if this becomes a reality because it's such a copycat league, if this becomes a reality, there may well be teams that know what they're doing. It's brought up to the Patriots all the time, where the Patriots before the season – going to tank it out to get the quarterback that they want and then come back with vengeance. People actually pass that off, that theory off as an idea. And some people look back and go, six and eight, what did you really get? Maybe you should support that idea. There's going to be teams that know what they're doing, but there's plenty of copycats who don't. And if that's the case, then there should be plenty more quarterbacks who are advocating the Eli Manning and the John Elway rule. And just like what I said with Trevor Lawrence, should be really taking teams to task. Is this a good organization or are you just really hoping that I'm so talented and I'm so good that I don't need any help? But looking at the AFC, Indianapolis has a great football team. You just worry about how long Phillip Rivers can go. They might be in the market for somebody young. You have 10, 11 teams out of a, out of a big gaggle that have young quarterbacks who look like they can do it for a long time. And Jacksonville's probably going to be one of them here over the next couple of years that you put in there. And we'll look back to this season. They lost when they were supposed to lose. They were well coached, but they did not have the talent out there. They got the picks. And now it looks like the best place in the NFL for any general manager to roll up their sleeves and have their own great Bill Polian story. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. 11 o'clock, why Jim Rome's right, Why? Cleveland actually is America's team for more reasons than you just think. Don't even just roll your eyes to that. Up next, Kevin Boyler is going to join us. He covers the NFL for CBSSports.com as well as the Pick 6 podcast. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Just over one hour from now, Sam Amico will join us. 48minutes.com, outkick.com. We'll talk NBA with him. Top 5, 1120 a.m. Eastern, but you hear the music. It's an NFL Saturday. Yes, a Saturday. It was also an NFL Friday, usually a day dedicated to the NBA. No, no. Roger Goodell says more football, more football. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a cornucopia of football that is not stopping in week 16. And to talk about it all, we welcome in Kevin Boyler. CBS Sports Pick 6 podcast. I am a subscriber to it. I like listening to it. Kevin Boyler joins us on the show. Hello, Kevin. Ken, thanks for having me on, man. And I agree. I think we should have NFL every day. 2020 is the first year where we had a game literally every single day of the week due to the Tuesday, like an- Wednesday, now Friday games. I like anticipation. I, I, I like delayed gratification. I don't want there to be football every day of the week. <laughs> Man, I can't get enough. <laughs> Kevin Boyler joining us on the show. So, yeah, by the way, yesterday's game, Alvin Kamara is amazing. And a lot of people were going, well, thank God. I, I don't play fantasy football. I haven't played fantasy football in a long time. I actually got – I actually had an email. Do you want to hear something about this? How many fantasy football leagues are you in? Uh, dude, Ken, I'm with you, man. I got out of fantasy football. Really? I can't I can't stand. All right, this is a personal thing for me. I understand wow. everyone plays, everyone likes it. And it's yeah. kind of a, uh, a thing that helps build the brand. And the NFL go all in on it. But I can't 
understand when people ask me questions about their fantasy team. No one cares about your fantasy team except for you. That's the thing. So as soon as you ask a question about your fantasy team, uh, you've narrowed the audience of interested people to just yourself. It's the same uh, thing as like golf. Thing. I think it's the same thing as golf. That's why I have such respect for PGA pros. Like, like, and I'm talking like not like the players like you see on TV. I'm talking about like golf course. Hey, I'm a certified PGA pro because all you're doing is fixing people's swings all day. You can't even work on your own. So right, it's like, exactly. and, and nobody wants to hear about my. I, if I hit a, if if I got an eagle on a par four, so, nobody cares. They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> Nobody cares. The way you tell the story, it all ends the same way. I guess you should have had to been there because that's the way it all ends. I, Look, I, I don't I, want to yuck another man's yum, but uh, fantasy football is just not my thing, man. Whatever teaches, I don't know. I actually stopped playing because an email was forged for a trade for me. Ooh, yeah, yeah. that's rough. You want to talk dirty? I mean, the guy is sure. a lawyer in Canton, Ohio, too. I, this is before he was a lawyer, though. I'd still use him. Well, I'm just saying. He's a good dude. But he definitely forged an email of mine. Anyway, uh, Alvin Kamara obviously had a big day yesterday. Is he a guy that can run the Saints to the Super Bowl this year? Well, I don't know if they're going to have as many easy outings as they did last night against the Minnesota Vikings. That Vikings defense was absolutely banged up. They were starting pretty much all new young linebackers after the game. Mike Zimmer said, uh, you know, this is a very bad defense. It's the worst one I've ever had. Alvin Kamara said, I didn't really have to do much. My offensive line dominated, and even my receivers were getting in, setting the edge. Uh, and when you watch it, Alvin Kamara was running five, six, seven yards down the field before he was even getting touched. I don't want to take anything away from his great uh, historic individual performance, but that was a team effort. Uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, did not look uh, – great or imposing I guess you could say when Drew Brees had to throw the ball he threw up one arm punt had two interceptions in the game uh he did finish with over 300 yards but I just don't think that when they get into the playoffs against some of these tougher teams where the Vikings won't be uh they're not just going to be able to impose their will uh with Alvin Kamara I think they're going to need Drew Brees to throw the ball so that's going to happen at some point I have just very little faith in anybody else I, I seriously Green Bay, Green Bay, I have faith in them. I wanted to say the Rams. I thought the Rams had the goods. And just this, this performance against the Jets leaves such stink on them. To come out of the NFC, I, I still think, well, Seattle. Seattle's 10-4, and four, but their defense is, is garbage, and I think they rely too much on Russell Wilson. I Obviously, I don't take anybody out of the NFC East seriously. Do I put Tampa Bay up there? Is Tampa Bay right place, right time, Kevin, to, to, to threaten in the NFC? They could be, and I get where you're coming from with, with all the concerns about those NFC teams. To me, I'm still more of a Packers guy. I, I believe in that team. I think Aaron Rodgers is on a bit of a mission. We saw earlier in the year the Packers beat the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think that they've had games in the past, like this year even, when we saw them go up against the Vikings, they just couldn't stop Dalvin Cook, or uh, when they played the Buccaneers and just kind of got trounced in that uh, after the first two drives of that game and, and didn't respond. Uh, and we've seen that in the past with previous years, like last year, the both of the 49ers games where the Packers just seemed overmatched and Aaron Rodgers couldn't do, you know, everything in the world. It wasn't going to be enough to uh, bail that Packers team out. I think this team's a little bit different. Uh, they're, they're even better in the second year under Matt LaFleur. Um, I don't want to take anything away from the Buccaneers since the Buccaneers did beat 
the pa- uh, the Packers, and you know we've been talking about Tom Brady here, who plays his best football in the playoffs. So uh, those are two teams I'm definitely thinking about, and don't sell the Seahawks entirely too short. I know that they had a horrible defense earlier in the year, and I know that they're in a little bit of an easier stretch of their schedule, but they've held each of their past four opponents to under 17 points. Uh, they've won four of their past five games. They seem to have maybe rediscovered what was the formula that worked for them in previous years, and maybe letting Russ Cook, even though he can do it, it's less stable. And now that they have their defense kind of playing a little bit better, uh, they can make a run into the playoffs. We'll see. I I don't think you can just count out the Seahawks like that. Kevin Boyler joining us on the show. All right, Chiefs, they got a lot of one-score games. Who's best built to beat them in the AFC playoffs? I think the Buffalo Bills are the team that has the best goods, I guess you could say, to go head-to-head, blow-for-blow with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, The Chiefs, as you mentioned, have won six straight games by six points or fewer. That's an NFL record, and it tells you that teams are keeping it close with the Chiefs. They may only have one win, but maybe they're more beatable. A play here, a play there, and you can beat this team. Earlier in the year, the Bills and the Chiefs played. It was kind of an ugly game and low scoring by the Chiefs standards. We've seen the last couple of weeks, even when their offense is bogged down a little bit, Patrick Mahomes throws multiple interceptions. They find a way to score 30-plus points and win. I think uh, the Bills while they couldn't get their offense going in that earlier game against the Chiefs, I think they only scored 17 points. They've looked great. Josh Allen is performing on an MVP level the last couple of weeks. He's not going to win the award, but he's up there with the Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers of the league right now. And I think if his offense plays the way it does against the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs have a hard time uh, uh, keeping the Bills down the way they did last time. What's the Steelers' biggest problem? Uh, I think it's honestly Ben Roethlisberger. Everyone wants to point to Juju Smith-Schuster and his dancing, but that really covers up uh, the issue, which is Ben Roethlisberger uh, does not throw the ball particularly well, and they're asking him to do it a lot. I guess you could say part of that problem is that they don't have a strong running game. Therefore, their running game is a short passing game. Uh, But to me, uh, I think there's been a lot of focus on the wide receivers and their drops uh, when maybe it's just the style of this offense where – Ben Roethlisberger is firing the ball at them from eight yards away, full speed, uh, you know, two seconds after the snap. No wonder they lead the league in drops. I, I think that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even when they were 11-0, and uh, were a little bit fraudulent because of the, uh, the strength of that schedule that they were playing, and, and they really weren't blowing out a lot of teams. So uh, I think we've seen the Steelers' two true colors over the last few weeks. Kevin Boyler joining us on the show, CBS Sports, also Pick 6 Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Kevin Boyler. Where is Carson Wentz going to play in 2021? Wow, that's a great question. I I, I think just due to the contract and the fact that I I think that the front office and the coaching staff is a little more married to Carson Wentz than the fans and the media are. It's going to be really interesting if Jalen Hurts falls out these last couple of weeks and maintains a starting job or at least a shot at the starting job going into next season. I think they'll probably listen to some offers. The the team that keeps being brought up because of head coach Frank Reich is the Indianapolis Colts. The connection makes sense. Philip Rivers is most likely, it seems, going to move on at some point here. He's getting up there. He's not playing at a super high level anymore. Uh, He's been great in in recent weeks, but undeniably he's not the same quarterback he was 10 years ago. Uh, I think they're looking for a new – 
one eye turned towards the future, we'll say, at the position. Yeah. It makes sense, uh, but ultimately I think he's going to be in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. I don't think that front office and that coaching staff gives up on him just just yet. What about this report that he wants out? I know that that's I know it's out there, choice, but... and, and, and there's some speculation of where it came from, and and I, I, I'm not saying it's not legitimate, but maybe it's positioning. Um, I, I think that Carson Wentz doesn't want to be a backup. Um, that's you know probably goes for every starting quarterback and probably a lot of backups across the league. But ultimately, you do what you got to do to get back the starting job, and just wanting your way out. <laughs> it doesn't make a, uh, a four-year, hundred-some million-dollar contract disappear. It doesn't make a first-round pick appear in the form of a trade offer, uh, you know, out of thin air. Uh, the Eagles are going to, you know, want to get some return on that, uh, and, and it's got to make sense for them. I think they had a lot of issues on offense. They were starting a different offensive line configuration every week. He didn't have the same weapons on the outside. Zach Ertz had a down year. I think if, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of masks a little bit of those deficiencies on offense with his athleticism, they simplified the offense for him. I think they regroup, come back next year, hopefully healthier, and Carson Wentz gets another shot at the starting job. And in a fair head-to-head position battle with everything else going for them, I would see Carson Wentz beating Jalen Hurts in that competition. Kevin Boyler joining us on the show. What would you do if you were the Jets? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I would do if I were the Jets. I mean, I, I first of all, you got to know I'm not a tanking guy. Like, I, I, I'm not for teams trying to lose. And when I say that, I don't think that the players uh, are trying to lose. I used to think that the coaching staffs weren't trying to lose, but that Raiders game was fishy. But then they beat the Rams. So I don't really know what's going on in New York. Uh, in all likelihood, you just lost out on your opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence because the Jaguars now have the number one pick. Uh, I am skeptical of all the other quarterbacks that are in this draft. Some people really like Zach Wilson out of BYU, and I think that there are some Jets fans who are trying to convince themselves now that there might be Trevor Lawrence might be out of reach. That Wilson is. I'm gonna the tell guy. you this. Uh, let me tell you this, Kevin. I was sure. gonna say this later, and I'm still gonna say it later. What the hell? I think the Jets just drafted a quarterback is like having a baby to save a relationship. Like, I just don't you, – you just drafted a quarterback last time, okay? And it yeah. was only three years ago. And if you're just going to draft anybody just to make the fans happy, that's really stupid. On the other side of it, it's like, okay, how many times – how many chances is Joe Douglas going to get to draft a quarterback? So, do you take a swing and, eh, well, we missed and that's the way she goes? Or do you not take a swing and then you're always denied that opportunity? Go ahead. I guess that's true. Uh, if I were the second overall pick, uh, which is what the Jets project to be um, – I would probably be really enticed and really interested in Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I think he's the best offensive lineman in this year's draft. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, he's probably the best overall player in this year's draft. Uh, Sam Darnold has had flashes. His statistics are horrible if you look at them. But I think this is a really undermanned uh, bad Jets roster that was designed to be bad. Uh, before the season. I don't think that they were trying to be competitive at all from a front office standpoint. Uh, And I'd maybe give Sam Darnold one more shot. It also depends on who's the coach going to be next year. It's weird to me that they haven't fired Adam Gaze. It's almost like they're keeping him around because they expect him to lose games. And now uh, that they didn't beat the Rams, it's almost like, okay, well, what's going on with this franchise? Is Adam Gaze going to be the guy – uh, around the midseason point, Joe Douglas said, 
Adam Gase is part of the solution. Was the solution like going 0-16? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, I, like I'm running out of time. I, I just wonder, okay, what would Sam Darnold be? And I know that you, you got you to gotta mix in the whole team and everything. What would Sam Darnold be if Frank Reich was his head coach? If if Kevin Stefanski was his head coach? If Sam, uh, uh, Sean McDermott was his head coach? If Mike Vrabel was his guy? I think that Adam Gase has proven to be a fraud. I think that Adam Gase has ridden uh, a Manning's coattails to two jobs and has proven nothing but to be a fraud, Kevin. T- real quick, 30 seconds. Am I right or wrong? That's starting to look like the case, Ken. I don't really know how you make the case for Adam Gaze right now unless the Jets see something internally that all of us on the outside are just not privy to. See, this is why I have guys on, just to reinvigorate my takes and not even answer questions (laughs) about what real fans want. Kevin, people need to follow this guy on Twitter, at Kevin Boiler. Kevin, thank you for the time, buddy. All the best. Hey, Ken. Appreciate you. Merry Christmas. You too, my friend. Kevin Boiler joining us on the show. CBS Sports Pick 6 Podcast. Again, I'm a, I'm a subscriber. Go ahead, check it out. It's fantastic. Will Brinson does a great job. Ryan Wilson does a great job. It's a good podcast, good people. 855-2124-CBS. I'm going to bring that up later. I Just just to make your fans happy, I, are, are they really going to be happy if you take one of the other ones? I'm not sure. Coming up next, top five subject and... It's not just that Jim Rome was right. It's why Jim Rome was right, that the Browns are America's team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 